What up, what up, what up? This is Open Mike Eagle. Welcome to season four, episode three of What Had Happened Was. Last we left off, the roots had gone from playing on the sidewalk to playing in a strip club and to getting into the studio to make their first LP organics. They had no idea how to make songs. So in this episode, we'll hear a lot about the roundabout way they used to come up with tunes. And through this process, the group also adds Leonard Hubbard on bass, may he rest in peace, and Malik B as an MC, may he also rest in peace. And in addition to those two, the group is rounded out by a young Scott Storch on the keys. You can support what it happened was by using the ad codes in the ad reads and spreading the words to people who might be interested in this history, this oral history of the first four albums of The Roots. Speaking of albums, you can come see me doing my own damn songs this December. I'm in Houston, Dallas, New Orleans, Brooklyn, Philly, D.C., Boston, Miami, Orlando. And you can find out details about all of those tickets being on sale at MikeEagle.net. This is the Stony Island Audio Podcast Network. Your home for creator conversation in the rap world with shows like the Fatherhoods Podcast, Super Duty Tough Work with Blueprint and Illogic, stories about songs with Kevin Beecham, the Dad Bod Rap Pod, Questions Hip Hop Trivia Podcast, and more and with that let's get into it episode three organics part two ladies what and gentlemen what, from the what, depths of what, stoning what, island what we what, present what, to what, you what, what happened what, was season what, what, four what happened was season four fantastic like secret wars West love with the stories, got him leaning for It's what the hardcore feeling for And now I'm covering you the scene before We break it down, you can reabsorb Bring it around like a meteor We get it moving like a stevedore Beat the podcast, lead the boys The straight hands, it's a perfect score We're not your chips out the circuit board We're here to help with what you're searching for To inspire what you're working toward A little closer than you were before Updated software version for Such and such and furthermore It's like this Ladies and gentlemen this what, is Open Mike what, Eagle, what, welcoming what, you to season what, four of what, what It Happened what, Was, what, what, with the one and only, Quest Love. Quest Love. We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, DistroKid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least 100 of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, 
and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. Where we left off, we're getting into y'all in the studio making the songs that will become Organics. Mm -hmm. uh, Organics comes out in 1993. It's, it's self-released. Mm -hmm. When's the last time you listened to that album? Whenever it's Roots recording time, which now will be nine years of us making this never-ending in-game album, I kind of force myself, when I know I'm going in the studio, um, I kind of force myself to get through like our discography. The whole thing. Well, I have a theory. I don't want to be that act that, um, you know, there's conversation with like Prince and Madonna and Stevie, like people that are so linear and pushing forward. Um, they do this whole, like, we never look back thing, but okay. So you might not look back at your own work, but I definitely know that you guys are looking in the rear view mirror for who's behind you. The weirdest thing that you could do in your career is to not look ahead of the road and then look in the rearview mirror to see who's behind you. And the thing is, the person behind you that's in your lane, nine times out of ten, they grew up listening to you. Like the way that I listen to De La Soul, the way that I listen to Tribe Called Quest, the, the way that I listen to the music I grew up on. It's almost a 99.44% chance that you are creating something that's derivative of that artist. So, that you grew up listening to. Right. right. And so my thing is like, okay, so if you don't want to be the person that gets stuck with the same sound and that sort of thing, then why don't you be the new artist that sponges off of your own supply? Like, why don't you do that? So I'm, so first of all, when we eventually release a new record, you can't rely on the legacy of the 17 records that came beforehand. We're pretty much releasing organics again. Like, this is our first album in nine years. Right. And so I think the the what I should at least do is listen to The Roots as if I'm a new band that's going to use The Roots as their idols to make new music. So the last time you heard it, what did you what did you pick up on since you're listening from that I mean, perspective? Yeah, of course, you're going to be super analytical. And it's weird because I, too, like, I'll nerd out on an artist. And I'll give you an example. Like, uh, Shaka Khan, her album, Ask Rufus, that's, like, my North Star. That's one of the most important records of my life and my development. So I'll nerd out and ask her about a certain song. I once asked her, like, yo, so, like, you know, your harmony structure on, like, close the door. Like, tell me about, like, what was it like there? And you're you're praying for, like, some sort of romantic folklore of, like, you know, I was there and then the inspiration hit me. And then, you know, and it's never that scientific or whatever. Matter of fact, she was like, oh, God, close the door. All I remember was, you know, her ex-husband Richard and Andre Fisher, the drummer, having a fist fight in the bathroom Get and tearing up 
like the the boundaries that hold the tour, you know. So in her mind, that's one of the most like violent times and volatile times in the group's history, which actually adds to the tension of the group's record. So for me, when I hear good music from organics, and dig the I'm thinking about that's the last time I had a normal Thanksgiving at my family's house. I'm thinking of like the last time I had my grandmom's leftovers. Like recipes and music are sort of generational things that might not get passed down. Right. They stop so, at a certain point. Yeah, that level of soul food, like my aunt Laura, my grandma, like 92, that that was like their last era. I'm remembering that I brought cool like that in the record store. So my memories of like how songs got made trigger off different memories. And so I'll say that what really pushed it forward to where you would know who the roots were was how Malik B entered the group. And so what happens is we have Past the Popcorn, Anti-Circle, the Past the Popcorn remix in the bucket um, during Black Friday of November 92. We knocked out good music and common dust. So we have like, we were going to make a 12 inch, but now it's like we got five songs. So let's make an EP. What's the intention though? Like in terms of, and I mean, this is Richard and AJ putting so, this together? Yeah, in a AJ's mind, AJ's mind, he's like, let's just release a 12 inch and then we're all going to get rich. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but he's like, you guys sound too alternative, so we should do a normal sounding hip hop. So he wants to also use us as a platform to get his production skills off. And production wise, there was a little bit of, nah, this don't sound like Pete Rock enough, or this doesn't sound like, in my mind, it's like, you got to beat the level of Pete Rock, Premier, Tip, like that level of thing. And the, the production side of us sounding normal, like even in doing remixes to, so there's at least like in, in the can, there's like five past the popcorn releases that we tried to make sound normal that didn't sound dope enough, or at least to our standards. So when January of 93 comes, Malik who meets Tariq, and I guess Tariq can tell you the story of them in college at Millersville. Uh, Malik, um, I th think he's, he might be, he, he was a he was either Sunni or an Ansar Muslim, but whatever the case was, he was coming, uh, he was leaving uh, uh, his mosque, and a gentleman approaches him, and he's uh, Philadelphia jazz-based legend Jamal Adin Takuma. And Jamal Adin Takuma is sort of in the school of like the 70s jazz movement of like um, James Blood Almer. James Blood Almer is playing, uh, if you remember uh, Water on uh, Phrenology. We did like an 11 minute free jazz thing. Uh, James Blood Armour is like a, a kind of radical, Sonny Chirac-esque, crazy guitarist in like that whole uh, thing that Vernon Reese started with Greg Tate, the, uh, the, the black rock collation. So he's kind of in that clique.
so Jamal Jean Takuma is planting these seeds about like, you know, over in Europe, there are festivals. And, you know, all we know is like Lollapalooza. You know, like America doesn't know, we know it now, Coachella and that stuff. But over in Europe, there's over like 500 festivals and all over, you know, that's how half the rappers now have to fly over there in the summer to do this. And so he's curating this festival in Moorish, Germany. And he tells uh, Malik B, like, I've heard about you guys. Like, you know, my son sees you guys on, you know, South Street and all that stuff. And um, they, they gave me a budget. I, I want to take you guys to Germany with us. And so basically, Rich, Rich's job is less as the record label, more of a strategist. Because through us, he sees a potential. Um, in Rich's mind, it's like, because Rich is also uh, a, a well-known jazz DJ at RTI and Temple University. He's into like a lot of like, you know, Archie Shep, like a, a free jazz, spiritual jazz, like that sort of thing, like Doug Karn. And, you know, those guys are just well on like the, the avant-garde jazz stuff. So he sees us as like somewhere in between Public Enemy and Farrah Sanders. And he knows that jazz musicians can make a good living. So his whole thing is like, I want to give these guys, I don't want to give them like the, the, the rap dream, the carrot on the stick, make a hit single, and then you're disposable. Like I want to market them. They're a rap group, but I'm going to market them as a jazz group and get them on the jazz circuit. And so, long story short, we now know that we have one gig in Moorish, Germany in the third week of June of 1993. So it's now February. As a thank you for hooking us up with this gig, we're like, well, damn, Malik got joined the group now. You want to be in the roots? Because by this point, Joshua had to go back to Illinois. So Rich's solution was, I was like, yo, we don't have a bass player. What do we do? What do we do? We had some bass players on and off. And then he had a partner named uh, Leonard Hubbard, who was like, you know, Dr. Professional. I went to college and, you know, conservatory school. So he agreed to be the Roots' bassist, but kind of on a, a, a stipend. Like, you know, we had to have him on a, a consistent retainer. And instead of like, Coming in on the ground floor, like, hey, you, you want to be in this band with us or whatever? He's like, kids. You know, <laughs> that's sort of, like, he was just like 20 years older than us. And like, that was always the response. And then, you know, in 92, 93, like, if you just remember the, like, the, the whole era of like, you know, the five percenter and, and that sort of thing. And like, Kenyatta uh, Crumbs just kind of went through this sort of, evolution where it was like you know he just basically didn't want to be in the group anymore because like we weren't living at our highest level like i don't know what spiritual jargon that he kicked but he pretty much was like you know you know i can't be like working with all these devils and all that stuff so he was going to hang with the gods like where like that's kind of like how i took it to be like He's realizing, like, oh, in order for us to make it, like, we got to work with black people and white people and that sort of thing. And in these clubs and nightclubs, and he's like, nah, man, this is savage. Like, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm God. Like, I can't do it. So he kind of left. So that left 
a space open. And Tariq and Malik, you know, both knew each other from Millersville University. And so Malik got us this game. I mean, it wasn't game-changing. Like, you know, it was like a $5,000 gig. And by that point, we were just working for pennies. And, like, we were working enough just to keep Hub on retainer and, you know, and have a turkey sandwich or two and a date night. But it was like a $5,000 gig. So uh, Rich was like, okay, so instead of doing a single in the EP, let's make a full-fledged record and we'll print up copies of this record and we'll sell this record over in Europe when we do this gig and that will help us. And subsequently, we're going to also use this record as our demo to get a real record deal. And so pretty much that's how like the rest of the album just gets fleshed out, like the Leonard part, one to five, all that stuff. We just basically spent all of February and March Knocking off song after song after song after song after song. So it sounds like the process of a lot of this is just you kind of having musical ideas and y'all building around that in the studio. Is that kind of consistently how the rest of the songs came together? I did not know how to songwrite. So it was just like, you know, give me five minutes of silence. I'll think of something in my mental Rolodex. So literally, like if you, you know, the roots is coming is, is you know, I had a copy of James Brown's In the Jungle Groove. So that was like, do, 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 do. that was uh, James Brown's Got to Move. Pass the Popcorn, I explained, was like the, the pick up the pieces live. Anti-Circle was James Brown, Stone to the Bone, Writer's Block. It was just like, hey, show you guys do poetry too. <laughs> up, 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 I, up, I, up, I step, up, I walk, up, I climb to the platform on which I wait the arrival of the black line. 2000, the abstract night train that should be arriving in approximately eight complete lifetimes. So you take that on track number one. Because the thing was also, you know, the I don't like rap but I like you guys thing was real. So some nights it was like, and hey, we have a, uh, a, a, a poetry ensemble from uh, Philadelphia. To this day, my dad still, he calls me a spoken word artist. Yeah, he exactly. He like, can't wrap you know, his head around it. Rap artist was like a four letter word back then. So basically like, you know, writer's block was from Tariq's, uh, you know, uh, days as, as a poet. Look, you know, when, when we're doing the coffee shop chick thing, it's like and 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 you missed and dun 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 and fun 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 and and sister I see you and I smell your shade brother and da 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 like even I was doing stuff like like I was writing stuff like as long as it results with me getting some joints number at the end of the night yeah I I I too will 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 repeat your essence and like that was me at every poetry like slam good music was um. Oh, based off of the, oh, the, 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 I gave a, a hypothetical example of Shaka Khan doing Close the Door, but literally, like, that's what it was. Like, okay, let's do Close the Door by Rufus. So there's a point, I forgot the most important element of the story was Bizarre Ride to the Far Side came out in late 1992.
you know, the your mama video came out, and I was, eh, I was, I was lukewarm on it because I was like, ah, man, y'all use synthetic substitution by Melvin Bliss as your drum thing, like that's whatever. So I was just like, yeah, it's whatever. And that was a time period in which like a rap record could change your life. And the days of like, yo, Tariq calling like, yo, dog, America's Most Wanted by Ice Cube. We would just sit and have a discussion. Joe, our manager, said, yo, y'all, he's like, this bizarre ride to the far side might be a problem. And I was like, really? The, the, the Your mama guys? He's like, dog, man. This is a song called For Better, For Worse. You got to hear this thing. And I was like, eh. I'd look at it. I didn't like the fonts. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was like, wait a minute. You, I, that's how that, you yo. Font, you font critical? Yo, dog, I font shame many a motherfucker, yo. And I just looked like, ah, right, whatever. So I, I listened to it. And yes, I will say that the Fender Rhodes is in my DNA. But for some reason, the Fender Rhodes just sounded like brand new as if... I, as if my dad didn't have a Fender Rhodes inside of his house. But the way that sound, song sounded, it sounded like you were being immersed underwater. And the way that the ro road sounded, I was just like, what's that sound? And Rich is like, this is Fender Rhodes. I was like, yo, we need that sort of sound in our group. So the story of Richard is that Richard would often do these music projects because he was at Temple University. Hub and Richard, Hub, our bass player, and Richard uh, were also like Temple University uh, alumni. So they would write government grants to get funding to teach neighborhood kids how to make beats. You know, you write a grant and then the government sends you 10,000 bucks. You pocket eight thousand dollars, and you know you buy some. And you equipment. hang out with a, with some kids for a couple of weeks, right? And make exactly. Music. Yeah. But they they were kind of serious about it, like building. They were they were really they they were part of that seventies generation that believed in a community and that sort of thing. So there were two people inside of this like campy thing of teaching people. Um, one was Shorty Nomas mm -hmm. uh, that we know through the De La Soul. You know he so he's managing. They're managing her and trying to do something with her, and they got De La's attention. That way. And then there's this white boy that used to just sleep on Richard's floor night after night. And you ask him to play any song and he would just play it. Like, just again, the, the novelty that people felt with me, like playing breakbeats, that's what it was like watching this guy. Like, Yo, he could do anything. Scott, Scott, play um, Stevie Wonder. And he started playing Stevie Wonder. We like, like high-fiving each other. Like, yo, all right, all right, play um, Grover Washington. Play just the two of us. Like, it was like watching a human sampler. And Leonard Parts 1 to 5. Uh, that's my joint. We were just like, Scott, play something. And literally, it just, I, I played him for better, for worse. And like, you know, just, just the, the way they used uh, reverb and all that stuff and the way the road sounded. I, I played it for him for like, and I still do it to this day. I, don't, I won't play it long enough for you to like actually learn the chords. I'll play it for like 10 seconds. And stop it abruptly. And then I'll see, like, all right, what do you feel? Like, what do you think you just heard? And they're like, well, play it again so I can learn. I said, no, you got the idea. Now play. And he would just do it. And I was like, that's it. Roll the tape. And then 
literally, we have an A part and a B part. And that's kind of how Scott Storch joined the Roots. And so now we're a fivesome. Whatever happened to Lena Parks 1 to 5? Why'd you ask me that question? I don't know. Where the Lena Parks 1 to 5 go? Why'd you ask me that question? Where the Lena Parks 1 to 5 go? We eventually get the album done. We print it up. We decided to do the whole Beatles black album, all black album cover and that sort of thing. And from June of 1993 all the way until December of 1993 we went through the craziest close but no cigar moment with every record label started with Def Jam yo Def Jam heard about the groups because Rich's whole thing was like we also got to save money for publicists and send out so we like Blue Note Records had a, a Kimberly North Northworthy we slid her some money and she typed up a bio. We had an eight by 10 photo, you know, talked about, you know, how we conquered Europe. One city, more is Germany, <laughs> you know, but we like. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we sent out these press packets and whatnot. And, you know, we did the occasional, uh, what do you call it? Uh, when, when you got to do like an audition, like a showcase, that sort of thing. We started with Def Jam. And then it would be the same drill. We'd meet with Def Jam. They would take us to dinner, expensive dinner, and then talk about, okay, we're going to do a showcase next week. We get the show ready. We do the show. And then Def Jam takes us back to the office. And all these free records. Wait, I can just, all these 12 inches? Like, now I have, like, you know, all this, whatever that, like, hardcore rap was that they signed. Like, I'm walking away. And then a week later, it's like, yeah, you know, Leora loves you guys, but we don't know what to do with you guys. Like, you guys are great live, but we don't know exactly what to do. So then, same with Tommy Boy, same with Elektra, same with East West Records. So it just became this whole thing of, like, you know, the call, really expensive dinner. I like the guys. Showcase, you know, come by the office and see everything and see everyone on the wall. Oh, man, this is the three Vion Rising Platinum plaque. And, and then the call, like, eh, we don't know what to do. So it became a, a, a thing of ups and downs. And then September of 93, finally, Kenyatta Bell of Mercury, the same gentleman that, that signed Black Sheep, was like, I like the group. Ed Eckstein, the president of, of uh, uh, Mercury, who's the son of Billy Eckstein, there I go, there I go, there I go. That guy are like, we want to sign the roots. So this is what happens. September, we uh, get the contracts to Mercury Records. We're excited. And they they took us on the the, the video shoot to uh, the Legion's Jingle Jangle. And I don't even know what that is. You don't know Jingle Jangle? Do not know Jingle Jangle. Yo, dog. It, it was like, trust me. It, it, was, it was a thing for like half a second. So we're on the video shoot. We meet Drez and everything. And we're just like, yo, we're like Native Tongues adjacent. This is going to work, yo. This is going to work. So what winds up happening is they send us the contracts, right? Now, you got three principal members that have these like long Arabic names. You know, Malik uh, Abdul, Bas you know, Bassett and Tariq Lukman Trotter and Mir Khalib Thompson, whatever. So I guess the way that the contract worked 
world works. You know, if one name is misspelled, then the whole thing's. Well, it's not. If one name's misspelled, then your lawyer can cross it out, and you got to do the initial thing. Like I witnessed it. But if all three names are misspelled, then they're like, okay, you guys got to get the proper names and send us the. So they resent us the contracts. So here's the problem, though. They sent us these contracts on a Wednesday. We see the mistake. We let them know on Thursday. They're like, look, uh, just tear it up. We'll send you the contract on Friday. You sign it. Uh, FedEx Saturday to us. And blammo, you guys are on Mercury. The assistant to whoever does the contracts forgot to do it on a Friday. And it's like, no sweat. Uh, just come Monday. We'll give you the contracts. And then we'll be good to go. So that Friday... Our lawyer calls and says, hey, not for nothing, guys, but there's one more uh, suitor that just stepped up to the plate. And we're like, dog, you know, we went to the Jingle Jangle video. Like, we met Drez. Like, I'm already dreaming. Not to mention, we had already made a connection with Giles Peterson. Very crucial part of the story. Giles Peterson is basically the John Peel, the, the tastemaker of Europe. He named his, you know, radio show after our song, Worldwide. Really? Yeah. Like, what John Peel had done for rock music for 40 years, that's what Giles Peterson was doing for Left to Center. You know, back then it was Acid Jazz, there was Neo Soul, and, you know, like, the first time anyone in Europe heard of an Erica Badu or a Jill or a Roots or a Dilla or anything, like, it goes through him first, and he has a platform, which is basically BBC Radio 1. So... Everyone, millions of people are hearing those. You know, that's why artists have long life over there because there's no underground. I mean, there is underground radio, but he's on a major platform. So he had already got a copy of Organics and pressed it up himself back when you couldn't press up a record. And, you know, so he had already started a buzz for us. So it's like, yeah, we're good to go. So he says that Wendy Goldstein of Geffen Records, the her claim to fame was that she a and would and signed uh, Snow. Informer. So off the success of her signing Snow to East West Records, Geffen Records, who at the time had Nirvana, Guns N' Roses, Aerosmith, Beck, like they are making like $800 million a year just off their top, their starting lineup. And they want to start a, a, a an urban department. They had one, but, you know, whatever. Like, it never came to fruition. But they're now serious. We got to start an urban department. And Wendy Goldstein's going to run it. And she's like, guys, I would love to sign you. So the deal is like, look, we know we're going to sign the Mercury. But by that point, we love the whole courting process. Right. Going to the Let's most go to expensive. Dinner. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, yo, we're going to go to Lebec Finn. Or, you know, book binders, we're going to order. And this time, we're being ignorant with it. We're like, yo, can we get, like, three extra steaks to go? And like, four, <laughs> like, we have no shame whatsoever. Go. We go to, like, Wendy's office and, like, wait, you can have a refrigerator inside of your office? And we looked at all those orange juices. And the second she went to the bathroom, we're, like, stealing all the orange, <laughs> like, lifetime supply of orange juice and all these famous Amos cookies and all these pretzels. Like, we, the idea of, like, snacks in an office. We never seen that. So we were just like, you know, we went there and 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 you know, did the food thing and you know, mid mid conversation, I pulled Rich went to the bathroom and I followed him in the bathroom. I said, yo, I said, dog, I said, you know what we should do? He's like, what? I said, we should pull a helmet. So it's 1993. 
grunge is at its absolute height. Nirvana just released their second album, so it's like everyone's grunged out, everyone's wearing like flannels, fucked up clothes, and mm -hmm. all that stuff. So there's a group called Helmet. They famously had a bidding war for seven figures. They signed to their label for a million dollars. Wow. And, you know, that was like a big deal. Like, you know, Seattle band, Hel Helmet signs a deal for a million dollars. And I was like, yo, dog, we ain't got nothing to lose. So, you know, I said, what are we getting for? You know, Mercury was going to give us like 140 million. Just to put it in perspective, three feet high and rising was made for $25,000. Wow. Cypress Hill made their debut record for $40,000. So basically, like, rap records, the the records that raised us were so redheaded stepchildish that it wasn't, like, In Vogue's Funky Divas was made for $2 million. You know, Michael Jackson's Dangerous was made for $10 million. But Three Fair Iron Rising was made for $25,000. I mean, not to humble brag, but I won't even get out of bed for that for a <laughs> DJ gig. You know what I'm saying? So... It was like, I was just like, yo, we ain't got nothing to lose because it's Geffen. Mm -hmm. Like, who the fuck's going to be on Geffen? Fuck that. Like, let's just, let's, let's pull a helmet. And we just got ignorant. We were like, yo. He started off like, you know, well, you know, we need like at least three cribs. Like, Amir got to get a place of his own. Tariq got to get his own place in the hub needs a spot. And, oh, we want a Pathfinder. And we need like home studio equipment. Like, Scott needs equipment. da da da, -da. I mean, like we, it was like everything but a partridge in a pear tree. And we were just like, you know, so that's what we need to sign to this label. Huh. And went home. And Sunday night, right before that contract's about to come from Mercury Records to us, Brad is calling. I never got a 911 like four times on my pager. It was like, oh, somebody died. I was like, what's up? It's like, yo, emergency meeting now. And Brad says, um... So I did what you guys said. I called their bluff. And, um, you know, actually to add to the pot, he did some like lawyer shit where the, the lawyer equivalent of that, like instead of us having to be locked down for 15 years, he was like six years. And what he most cleverly did was, and if they make the first record, you got to keep them for the second and the third record. Mm. If they make the fourth record, then you got to keep them for the fifth and sixth. Right? I've never even heard of nothing like that. So the reason why in any other lifetime we would have gotten dropped when Distortion of Static came out. We wouldn't even made that. But he was just like, she fell for it. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, she agreed to everything and more. And I was like, so what does that mean? He's like, well, we can either go to Mercury or we can go to Geffen. And I was like, so what do we do? Like, Kenyatta is like family. And dog, we went to the Legion Jingle Jangle video. <laughs> like, <laughs> and Rich had to be the bearer of bad news. It, 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 hell Mary throw. And we caught the ball right in the end zone. And we signed the Geffen Records instead. And that poor uh, assistant, I believe she instantly got fired. Like, Kenyatta was absolutely livid over that and that's and in november of 1993 we finally signed with geffen records and that's like 
that's that's really the beginning of do you want more now i want to end this with one question mm -hmm. just based off of that and you kind of touched on it earlier but i want to bring it back around to it so you signed in november to 90 november 93 mm -hmm. how soon after this does your dad find out that this is what you are doing so the first thing that rich wants to do is like he wants to do a big giant press splash like the roots get signed to da 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 label and the philadelphia inquirer wants to interview us and they're like yeah and we're going to put you guys on the cover of the sunday section so this is like our version of the new york times like you know there's no internet so pretty much most philadelphians start their life and their week with the sunday paper not to mention you know my advance was i mean back then like to be from a guy that only wanted a good turkey sandwich and date night to suddenly like given a substantial amount of cash. The first thing I did was I went to Foot Locker and purchased every color combination of Pumas I could get. Like I came home with like 12 boxes of Pumas. <laughs> right. And so your, your family's concerned at this point. Like, well, what are you I doing had, out there? I, that's the first thing they noticed. Mm -hmm. They're like, wait, how do you, you know, I came from a household in which like one pair of sneakers last you for at least nine months to two years, you know? And wait, you had greens. Wait, where are you getting all these sneakers from? And then it was like, uh, yeah, got a record deal. And then, well, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and yeah, this Sunday we're having a, you know, uh, signing party. And literally, like, the the thing I also wanted to hold back was, like, parents often have this thing in which they uh, intentionally or unintentionally, like, push off their fears of their own path and their journey onto you. And, you know, my dad had somewhat of a spark at the beginning of his career, enough to sustain the level that I got. There was one time in 73 in which he uh, formed a group with my mother called Congress Alley, which um, the album came out and really didn't do much, uh, which is weird because one day when I'm watching the Nothing But, <laughs> Nothing but a G Thing video, I hear uh, this in the background. So literally, that sample, just chill Whoa. to the next episode. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, and I was like, yo, that's my parents on nothing but a G thing. So that's crazy. So just chill to the next episode. They were going to be like the next Fifth Dimension right. or Friends of Distinction, and nothing came of it. So I think, again, when. When you're raised in a fight-or-flight atmosphere, it was the crack 80s, you know, their whole thing was, like, my safety. Like, we have to put him in private school, get him into college so we can get out of here in this situation. And we're really not from the generation that's taught to dream. And, okay, well, let's see what's happening. You know, for his thing, it was, like, safety. I had a plan for safety. You were going to study, you know... Uh, conservatory music 
and that was the plan. And, you know, I, I had dreams too. And so, and he was really disappointed that like, there was nothing like the disappointment of coming home from that night. And I got to admit, we kind of overdid it because again, we started off like on the street corners and we're a community group, whatever. And then suddenly you give us the advance that we got. And now Tariq's wearing this like, this this imported leather jacket. Like we we walked on stage. We walked on stage. Like, like if you remember this scene in the Hate Me Now video with Nas and Diddy, where they're like, no, we didn't have like the fur coats and all that stuff in the club or whatever. But you clearly saw like, oh, they got money now. Like I'm I'm rocking like I'm early to the game on like. uh on like hockey jerseys. That was a thing back then. And, you know, I, instead of my little rinky dink, you know, a uh, little train that could drum set that's like falling apart. I went and brought like a, a Neil Pert from Russ, like a, a 20 piece. <laughs> 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 you know, like these roto times that are like, you need a GPS to like start. To <laughs> like that night, was just like, you know, Bowser, Shondon, and ever like, yo, this is our celebration party. What's up, y'all? They're like, wait, what happened to like the little boho group? What happened with, to the community guys? Where's your, yeah. where's your Birkenstocks, man? <laughs> like, I'm rocking two Pumas, like a blue one and a red one. Like, Whoa. And it, it was just like, that was jarring for my dad. That was jarring for everyone in the audience that night. Right. You know what I mean? And, but that was our flag planting moment. So, he, I'll say that even up to, like, I remember coming home once from the Proceed video, and he's still like, you still got to get a real job. Like, you you can't just stay here. And I'm like, Dad, I, I have a record. <laughs> like a whole major label Right, record. and he's like, well, you know, this cable bill has to be paid off, and da 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 and da da And he really, I'll say that, um, I think it was my cousins that kind of, Hipped into the fact that, you know, like, no, a mirror is really a thing. Like, mm -hmm. but that was when things fall apart was out, you know, like I'm on MTV in the afternoon, you know, if my little cousins are like, his cousin Amir coming for da 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 da, -da and, you know, showing him a magazine or th that sort of thing. So dad's sort of like, oh, okay, so he's safe. He's safe. <laughs> and, you know, also it's like, here's the keys to your car, dad, like right. that sort of thing. So that helps. So, um, but yeah, it, it took him a long time to just acknowledge. And I'm certain that there was also like a professional jealousy thing going of course. on, which, you know, you're still in denial of it then. Cause like, of course, like, why would you send me, give me all this education? Like, what did you think I was going to do with all this education you taught me since the age of five? Like, of course I'm going to manifest into quest love. Like you literally built me <laughs> and what I will say, though, is, um, like, that is one of the most, uh, what was around the corner for us. Like, in our minds, that night, it was like, whew, we made it. Mm -hmm. Nah. Nah, yeah. Wait, wait for the do you want more years, man. <laughs> well, then we'll leave it there uh, for right now. Wow, that's a lot. And we're going to, we're going to. Make sure along this journey that we check in to see how your family's dealing with every level of success. I think that's a... I got stories for you, bro. That's a good through line. Yeah. But we will catch y'all next time where we pick up with...
Do you want more? Is this where that theme comes into play? Right there. Stony Island Audio.